2: This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156.
3: Hey, what's going on, Busted Open Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Busted Open Podcast. The Fat and Furious returns today. Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer talking about everything that happened on Monday Night Raw. Hot topics include EDGE, the United States Championship scene, and what's going on in the women's division. Thanks for tuning in. Turn it up. The Fat and Furious is here on the Busted Open Podcast. Did you feel last night's Monday Night Raw? gave us shades of what nxt black and gold used to be on a hunter's regime.
4: yeah i mean that was always a, a wrestle-centric show as well and i think we're gonna see more of it but just on a on a much grandiose scale i mean there there's you're gonna have your difference uh with with guys but you have to build your guys with the talent that's already there you cannot like well i don't like if it's I don't know who they don't like, but I'm using this as an example. People who were there before, um, in in the sense of I don't like Miz or Dolph Ziggler because then the fans will turn on the product. You have it has to be an equal balance of both the old regime and the new regime. It really does. I mean, we saw it with the return of Edge. You know, Edge great return at SummerSlam, followed up with an excellent promo, followed up with. Uh, it was different to me because I remember when the show was going off there, I'm like, wow, did they go off early? And then here came uh, the, um, the dark, not the dark order. What the hell is their name? (laughs) Rhea Ripley. uh, What is the name of their frigging group? Come on, come on. Use that brain. No, come on. The,
3: the,
4: the bad people. The journey. No. Don't stop
3: believing. The Come Judgment
4: up. Day. The Judgment Day. Very Thank good, you. very good. Tell the paper. You know. Uh the Judgment Day beat down and then here came Edge to save the day and then I loved the cliffhanger and I loved the setup of how Poor uh, Dominic ate a spear. And I, uh, you know, I also said, man, that would have been great if um Ray ate the spear and Dominic saw Cause there's two levels of that. It's sympathy for a father and his son. And then there's also a son watching his father get taken out. There, there's two different levels of that.
3: Ray might be quicker to forgive edge yep. because Ray's been around a long time. And he knows that stuff like that could be, could happen in a ring. Dominic hasn't been around that long. So if all of a sudden edge mistakenly spears Rey Mysterio, it's going to be very easy for a young Dominic Mysterio to go, hey, what the hell did you do that to my dad for? And they try to explain it to him. And he's like, no, you did that to my dad because you've always been jealous of my dad, blah, blah, blah. And you can almost see the Dominic change, you know, um, you know, start to happen. But uh, I do agree with, I like the way the show went off. I like question marks. I don't like it when the book closes at the end of the show. I like when a show ends and it absolutely positively makes you want to and have to tune into the next show. This is why I always talk about traditional soap operas, which uh, soap operas that have been on TV for 30 years. I mean, think about the job they have to do every single day, Monday through Friday. They have to leave you with a cliffhanger to absolutely positively want you to tune in the next day and then on friday they got to leave you with such a great cliffhanger that you want to come back on monday and i remember as a kid getting roped in because my grandmother used to watch soap operas she used to watch the young and the restless and i would never want to watch a soap opera with my grandmother but i'll be damned if i didn't watch one day and probably the next two years i watched that soap opera with my grandmother because They told good stories and they left you with good cliffhangers, which is what wrestling is always supposed to do. And now you're watching the young and the wrestlers, the young and the wrestlers. Yeah. That's what you're watching now. I want to talk about edge I love the promo and I hated the promo all in the same breath, but I didn't hate the promo because of the promo or because it's Edge. I hated the promo because they were forced into this situation with Edge turning babyface because of Cody going down. This storyline would have meant so much more and have so much depth if Judgment Day would have gone on for a longer time and then the turn on Edge would have happened. Um, They've obviously had a gun to their head and had to do this a lot quicker than they had hoped to. Obviously, Edge is a master at what he does. Love the verbiage. Um, And I think it has breathed life into Judgment Day because now the Judgment Day has a real baby face that they can work with.
4: Yes, I agree with all those sentiments. I would like to state there's very few talents that can be so beloved as well as so hated edge is one of them uh he totally immerses himself into whatever role he is playing and it also like how he changes his look his hair his facial hair um this version of edge it's so much easier to like edge um than it is to hate him but you know and i know it's he probably likes being a heel more so than he likes being a face. Um, I hated the fact that they kind of gave up on judgment day or, Hey, this is how it has to be. Because if you think about, Hey, the beat down, he's not coming back. It's more like WWE will never skip a beat. I like where they're going with this. Like you said, it has a potential to get even both men or group over. And my other part of this is, Down the road, I feel there's a big storyline between an Edge and a Roman Reigns in the bloodline. Um, That's way moving forward. But for what we saw last night, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the promo because like, uh, I had spoken with Dave and Mark. We have to hear from him. He then basically gave what I like to call his mission statement. I'm here. I apologize for what I did. And now this is what I'm going to be doing moving forward. And it was short, sweet, to the point. Then we had the physicality way later. But, and again, a man of his word, I'm going to come out there and I'm going to get you guys. And it was it was really, really good. I loved how it was all played out. I loved, like you said, a cliffhanger. Edge also didn't show like there was remorse for what he did to Dominic. Yeah, I mean, Dominic was just kind of like it was he was in the way. And I also enjoyed like Rhea Ripley, like just laughing because she manipulated everything. And it was a really, really it, how it was laid out. It, it got me out of nowhere with the spear and how it was all laid out. And Ed just went about his business because he's so focused on getting rid of the judgment day that, you know, whatever lied in wake of his storm he didn't care about because his storm is focused on the judgment day
3: who do you think he's going to have more success with in the ring balor or priest
4: Hmm. interesting i think there'll be money once he finally spears uh ria i think he'll go man, he always works so so hard i think him and man, i think he'll he'll help elevate priest to the next level and you know um he'll have great matches for both but i think that you know finn doesn't need elevation the group needs elevation but priest will get elevated in a feud with uh with edge you also got to think of hey let's not swerve this because obviously you know there's going to be a six man with the mysterios and don't swerve us from our goal of taking out Judgment Day because there's been this constant with Dominic where maybe Dominic will get swerved away from his dad. And I don't know if that's the best version right now because the people really, Ray and Ray's always over, but Dominic is getting super duper over well as a babyface. And I don't know if it's time to turn him. I mean, he was a big, pivotal part of the whole Eddie Ray Mysterio. We, we've we watched Dominic grow up on television in front of our eyes. He's been in WWE for a long, long time. But as a performer, he hasn't been. And let's keep on riding this babyface high that he has and get him over as a babyface to then... Turn him.
0: You want an inside look at the NFL with two future Hall of Famers? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go with Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald, and Jim Gray. Returns for the 2022 season. What a blessing it's been to be a part of football history. Tom's experience always shows up in big games. That means in-depth football talk and the best guests in the podcast world. Come see me, and now you really Hall of Fame. Come see Uncle Snoop in the studio. Hear the best of Let's Go dropping Mondays on your podcast feed. Up until the season premiere on September 5th, download and subscribe right now on the SXM app or wherever you get your. Podcasts.
1: Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50%
3: off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Tommy, let's move on to the two qualifying matches that we saw for the United States Championship. We had AJ Styles defeating Mustafa Ali and The Miz. And then later on in the night, we had Ciampa uh, defeated Chad Gable and Dolph Ziggler. First question I have for you is, did you enjoy both matches, both, uh, both uh, three-way dances?
4: Yes, I did. Uh, I love the finish. Love that they kept showing the finish because it was so unique. Also loved all of, and I say WWE does this the best, is all the recaps from SummerSlam. Made us like feel like you had to see the event and how special it was and the constant reminders of what happened, which then led to what you're about to see. It's great. Loved, loved, loved uh, both matches. Like I said, Miz still kept his heat. Most people, if you really think about, like Miz gets everybody over, and Miz will help Champa more than Champa, and everything that he does wrestling wise, because Champa can talk, Champa can work, Champa has all the tools, um, but Miz being there helps him, and then eventually, what will happen? Miz will get jealous, and you know, wanna, and he'll turn on Champa. Um, But for the first three-way, loved it. Second three-way, I really, really enjoyed it. I would like to uh, stress that there's one thing that I feel kind of needs some tweaking, and it's the constant camera switches at all times. I think Paul's twin brother uh, is in charge of this at WWE because it's really getting to me. I feel like uh, I'm going to maybe sometimes because I've had a lot of brain trauma, a seizure from all these camera switches. When you have a packed house and you have men and women that know how to go out there and perform, sometimes you want to stay a uh, hard camera or close ups because guess what? They're going to be able to do it in the ring. I watch a lot of football. Um, it's a hard hitting contact sport. They will keep it on the Hard camera shot the entire time. They go close up when the quarterback goes to the huddle. Once the play comes, they pull it back. And as the play evolves, that's where they go. And that's how they shoot it. And that's how I feel. They don't do all these herky-jerky camera shots. They follow the ball and uh, sometimes following the action. Because, trust me, it's it was a lot. It was especially a lot during the beatdown, but also in the second three-way. I'm like, man, these – all these different camera cuts are actually affecting the match of how I'm viewing it. And don't do that because you're doing the men
3: and the women a disservice while they're wrestling. Why do you think they do so many quick camera cuts? Are they trying to protect talent? I mean, the physicality in the WWE top of the food chain. So you shouldn't have to protect talent by, uh, by quick cutting away. Why do you think they do it?
4: Uh, Overall, when you're doing stuff like that, yes, you are, it's because it's live. And yes, there is so much um, room for error. It's gonna happen. And you know, there was a couple of miscues in some matches. But when you're it, it is as a cover up as well as at times, you know, they don't want to show the, I don't want to say the violence, but the actual hits. It's almost like you're masking. I mean, remember, there's a lot of things that you can't do as a performer in the WWE. You can't go old school, choke a person on the rope. You can't choke people because they're afraid of, you know, kids would emulate. There's these unwritten rules that you can't do. So for the camera cuts, I do think it is for to kind of mask the hits or if the hits aren't hitting. But like you said, if you're at that level of the WWE, your work should be secure enough that you don't need to uh, cut people's work. I'm literally watch old WWE all the time, and it was almost from the Hamburg Field house, not Allentown. It was pretty much one camera shoot the entire time, And you're watching it, and no one was like changing the channel because the action didn't look legit.
3: I agree with you. And a lot of people out there on social media agree with you about the quick cutting uh, of the cameras. I, I have to look away because I you used the word that I was going to use seizure. I mean, I, it's like oh, much too much stimulation on my eyes and my brain. I, I don't like the quick cuts. I want to just see the action laid out in front of me, how it unfolds. Uh, so I think a lot of people agree with you, Tommy, uh, to Champa for a second and this U.S. championship. Vince it did not it did not seem like Vince McMahon saw anything in Champa. We obviously know how Triple H feels about Champa. Champa is going to go on to face Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. If Champa were to defeat Lashley, would that give you a sense of they're trying to force feed Champa down people's throats?
4: No, here's why. He could do it in the ring. Like I said, he could talk. He could do everything. He'll also, if here's the bigger reason when that happens. When you're force-feeding a baby face to the fans, they reject it. When you're force-feeding a heel, people hate it. So you're getting heel reactions, whether they're good reactions or bad. But they're like, I hate this guy. Because if you think a long, long time ago, they hated the Miz. And the Miz wasn't at that time. And I loved his like you know biography, his story. The Miz at that time, when he was forced to be like this over the top, you know, MC of 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 SmackDown, like they're booing him out of the building. He was like, and he's supposed to be a babyface, but then he was naturally turned heel. He's like, let me be a heel. He wasn't ready for the spot, but they realized that hey, this guy has something, and Miz realized that I could get under people's nerves. But it's still going to elicit a negative reaction. But the difference with Ciampa, if Ciampa beats Bobby Lashley, your best reason why? Miz. If Miz interferes, it'll be like, wait, Ciampa doesn't need that. He's a great wrestler. And it also gets sympathy for Bobby. Bobby has done a great job, like he said, elevating that title. He looks great. His work is great. His body is great. His promos are great. That was the weakest part of Bobby ever. I watched that promo. I was like, man, he's commanding an audience. He was the MVP for during the COVID years and you know, carrying that title and being, you know, the catalyst to a Drew McIntyre, but he hasn't missed a step. And when somebody in the WWE can elevate a title, that is kudos to that person. And Bobby Lashley's done that. And if he does get screwed over next week, you have your guy in the Miz. And then, you know, hey, you could do handicap matches. You can do all these different things till Bobby
3: Lashley wants to get that title back. There's a lot you can go with it. Want to jump out to the nation real quick. Melvin out in Houston. Melvin, you were at Raw last night, weren't you? Yes. Melvin, how did the crowd, how did the live crowd respond to Ciampa?
5: Um, they was. I feel like this. He hasn't been on TV much, so it's gonna take some time for live crowds to get used to him. I think, um, if he, unless you really watched NXT back when he was there, but since his main roster, he ha- you know he hasn't really been on TV too much for the crowd to invest in his character. We know he's with Miz, but we don't know his ultimate, You know, you know what I'm saying? His alternate pers- uh, personality. Yep. Um, I think as they as the triple h regime go, and if they what they invest in chompa, then they'll get that live crowd reaction out of it more um but this being like his basic showcase, I think this is Monday was his showcase for him to get for him to show himself um yep. and I can say the same thing for e o as well when e o with e o crowd was dead silent I knew who she was, but I could tell the people sitting around me, they was like, who is this girl? They seen her, you know, with the, throughout the show with Bailey and everything, but they didn't know who she was. And I think that's what this regime is going to do a little bit more of and more than what Vince did. They're going to, like you say, Triple H is going to showcase his, uh, his NXT talent. Um... So yeah, that that was my whole thing with the whole Chopper. I didn't like even with his music. I didn't even know he had changed his music again. I knew they had changed his his NXT music around a little bit, but I didn't know that he had this music now.
3: Melvin, thanks for the call, buddy. Really appreciate no it. It sounds like the WWE universe is not up to speed on a lot of talents, Tommy. Um, and this is going to take some time. It's not going to happen. Overnight, he brought up EO, uh, the former EO Shirai, who now they're calling EO Sky and Champa. Talk to me about a time frame on talents like this. What is, uh, what, how long is it going to take for the WWE universe to get behind a Champa, or, or, or get behind an EO Sky?
4: It has to be for a lot of these talents, it has to be fast tracked. If you got to also, I don't want to say swallow a a bit of humble pie, but you also got to think about yourself. And and if I'm talking about Triple H, Triple H was in WCW. He wasn't um, a top guy. And then this new character showed up in WWE. This is vignettes. Think of old school. They would give you about a month of vignettes before you debuted. And then it would take about another two to three months while, you know, still getting wins, still like, you know, showing character development to start getting over. And then you're you have your first match on pay-per-view and it's early on in the card. So you have to like invest that time and don't think that just because someone was in NXT that they're going to be over because not a lot of people watched it or just I mean, think of the build of Jericho. Jericho was a different character and he did work ECW, Japan, Mexico, was on in WCW. But when he re- debuted, he debuted in a much larger fashion. And because he was Chris Jericho, he was able to get over. But it was like he was debuting against the top guys. And it's like, oh, uh, this guy's going to be somebody, but he had to earn his stripes too. I could literally look at you and say, think of when the Dudleys debuted. There was, I mean, when we talk about different eyes, Vince, I'm not going to sign autographs. And uh, we want to come out to know music. You're going to sign autographs. You're going to come out to music. And, well, I want to be a heel. You're going to be a different type of heel. So you have to think about that. And you had, yes, you came in, you beat the crap out of the APA. You came in hot and heavy. There was not really... (laughs) Uh, a cooling period, but you didn't start up and win the titles the first night out. You had to build your reputation within, and you were in a company that was super red hot at the time. And yes, people knew you, or even Taz. Taz a great uh, debut, one of the best debuts ever for for a talent. Has this amazing match, building is you know going nuts for him, and then he had experienced a cool down process. The business has changed for someone like a Ciampa. They're doing the right thing, even if he loses or then gets a Miz beatdown after the match. That works as well too.
0: Hey everyone, Lindsay Rhodes here, host of the NFL Roadshow podcast. After a long wait, it's finally time for the three sweetest words in the English language, training camp season. Okay, maybe that's a stretch, but I am still super excited that we can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel and the NFL season is just around the corner. We will be getting you ready for that season the only way that we know how here on the NFL Roadshow with great guests, insightful conversation, and a whole lot of passion. New episodes are released every Thursday. You can listen on the SXM app and wherever you stream your podcasts.
2: Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash cash.
3: Becky separated her shoulders. She also separated herself from the reality of how she's been acting. Sounds like we got a babyface Becky Lynch, uh, out there last night. who's going to be on the shelf for a while. Her, uh, passing the torch to Bianca Belair, telling Bianca to hold it down B while she's gone. All right, Tommy, you got the pencil in your hand. Becky's going to be away for a while. Don't know how long separated shoulder. I don't know what, maybe four to six weeks.
4: Uh, Yeah. Depending on if there's any where, I mean, sometimes you could separate a shoulder so bad that if it has ligament damage, you need surgery. Um, But isn't it it all depends on the person. There's I separated my shoulder training uh, at Johnny Rodz's. Cause I used to love doing the Ted DiBiase uh, fist drop and thought he just landed on his side and shoulder instead of kind of like turning. And then I remember getting up and I'm like, Oh my God, my shoulder hurts. Like I can't move it. And Johnny grabbed it, shook it and kind of put it back into place. And then I had to go back in the ring and keep training. And just I was like, Mr.
3: Miyagi put it right back in place.
4: That's what you do. That's what you do. When you go to the hospital, they just put it back in place. Um, and then it still hurts and it's sore, but yeah, it's about four to six weeks again, depending on, uh, but for the fact that she did that and carried on in the match, I don't know where that happened. So kudos to you, Becky, cause I loved your match. Um, there was big anticipation for her and her return. I mean, yesterday she had changed her Twitter handle back to the man, which I thought was, wow, this is going to be good. And, and if anybody, I just listened to that audio clip and right then and there, Proved kind of what we were saying. They responded to everything she was saying, yays. And then on a backstage, you heard the booze when she's getting jumped. That's why the audience changed. Right then and there. You always talk about, and you and I remember arguing on my own shows at at two o'clock in the morning why you should start off this show hot and continue it. Sometimes when you have bad news, it offsets an entire show. And you have to get people into it differently. AJ Styles got people into his match. Um, And it also comes with, there was a lot of people who weren't, as they're always seen regularly on Raw, being represented, but for just different reasons. But what I'm trying to say is like, hey, everything happens for a reason. It's continuous. Edge, you didn't hear that about Edge. That crowd came alive. So it's just different it's the show of, and it's the show flow. And if you're looking at this or you're looking at it on paper or for me, I literally have to write things down and then I, I, you know, I visualize it. Where's it going to get my reactions? Where am I going to go for my heat? All this stuff when I'm, when I'm writing or producing a show, but back to the Becky thing, man, we were going to see somebody that was beloved and, and now, now she's gone. Um, where do we go for it? Your question was, I interrupted you, but I interrupt you by answering your question. If I had the pencil, what?
3: If you had the pencil, when Becky Lynch came back, what would you do with her? Would you keep her a baby face or would you have her keep going down this heel road? No,
4: Becky, I, when it's, I said this once Vince uh, retired, it's all hands on deck. It's everybody. Now it's time to step up and I'm going to go with what I know is going to garner viewers and garner fans. I can see the edge turn, but I didn't see it then. I could see it now. Um, Becky 1000% because of how you know she was so over with the people. I'm going to go with what I know works. I'm not going to take risks and I'm going to go with who's going to get me the most viewers, who's going to get me the most buzz, and who's going to get this transition with me over. You know, if I could equate this to when the Mets, the Mets got a new owner, the Mets new owner, a massive baseball fan. He had a team that he had to deal with that he had. They kind of, Fell apart last year He didn't go crazy He didn't go nuts Then he literally turned the entire team around We got a new manager He got some free agents Today there's you know the trade deadline He's talking about making all these different trades To But it was almost a full season Where now I'm in control And the Mets are in first place You have to think of stuff like that When you're taking over And that's why I say like you know it ha- And we have seen gradual changes, and I feel those changes will continue. But then you also suffered a severe blow to your company in storylines directed. Wow, Bianca and the man, Bianca and Becky. That was a great storyline they told following a great match. And now we have a new faction, and then, ugh, my plans got derailed. What do I do? I literally was in the gym yesterday for 45 minutes doing cardio, and all they're talking about is the center of the Tampa Bay Bucks is hurt. Who's going to protect Tom Brady in the upcoming season? That's what they were all talking about. Why? Because Tom Brady is this franchise guy, he's the top star, and the guy who's there to protect him ain't going to be there. Storyline diverted for the Bucks. Same thing yesterday major storyline major return if she would have been out there not hurt and been the man you'd have seen a whole new direction last night i think you would also seen her get some heat on her but because the man would have come back and kicked everybody's ass but you had to make these deviations and plans from saturday to monday and then it's also well hey how long is this timeline what are we thinking you, these are all the factors that a lot of people like. You have to understand what it really happens. It happens so much. We see it in, in sports. That's why I always say sports entertainment works because it's a sport as well as it's entertaining. But when you have stuff like that happen, it derails things forever. We saw a storyline arc for one year with Bianca and Becky. It started at SummerSlam and ended at SummerSlam. It was 22 seconds to an amazing frigging match. And it wrapped up in a friggin' year. That's beautiful telling. And now, Bianca's left on her own. Obviously, she has Asuka um, <clears throat> with her. and But she has to fight this group. And I feel the other two women were put in there to replace Becky. Because Becky's hurt.
3: You're talking about this new group, this new faction that uh, includes Bailey um... And uh, give me the other two names real quick. I know that.
4: Kodakai they, and Eo, Eo Sky.
3: How do you feel about Bailey coming back with two other women and not on her own?
4: Um, I, I enjoyed what I saw out of Bailey. Um, I liked it. It also, that was a big stamp of, this is a Triple H thing. It was a great surprise. And, Bully, I know you weren't, like, you know, really paying attention, but everyone's speculating who's going to be at Raw. There's, there's posts of confirmation of who's backstage. And the best part about it was Bailey, uh, Dakota, and e- Eero, um, they were never reported. And then they show up and they're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And, yes, I get, like, that's what we're talking about. Hey, wrestling fans, we know, her, we know who these women are. Not not so much Bailey, but like you know Dakota Kai wasn't under contract with WWE anymore. The other reports, the other woman was leaving WWE. Obviously, they came back. They're Triple H peeps. Great. Bailey did a great job of holding it all together. Could she come back as a babyface? Absolutely, but she came back as a heel. She's going to come back with uh, a vengeance, and she has two other women who kind of were cast aside, and you know, it was a great job that they did, but it was when we all say card subject to change, it's also creative subject to change due to an injury.
3: Do you think with Becky going to being on the shelf that this kind of opens up the lanes for Bianca to become the star of Monday Night Raw? Because Becky casts a huge shadow. Now we get Bianca the women's champion having to do the majority of the fighting against this new faction. So in a way, is Becky being on the shelf good for Bianca?
4: Yes, because she has, she has to be,
3: she becomes the focal point.
4: Yes. And she has to be the soul. She is the sole focus because she has the title, but you can get sympathy on her. You can get her getting her ass kicked. And, and yes, the, the other women coming in and helping her, there could be all. Uh, I loved what they were doing, and I'm just I'm not segueing away. What they did with Theory, Theory had an issue with everybody. Bianca, right away, has an issue with three other women. When you bring two other women um, with her, then it looks like they got a group. And I'm like, okay, cool, but I'm also your your champion. I'm going to fight everybody. So uh, I liked what they did last night. Don't deviate with splitting up the group where, you know, two women are going to go one way and another woman's going to go after Bianca, make your main focus, Bianca, because she's been your money and she will continue to be your money. Once the, the man comes back, that's when you want to stick to your plan that you had, excuse me, because I'm sure it was a really, really good plan.
3: Um, when Bianca was standing in the ring and they played on the Tron, that the new faction was beating the hell out of Becky. I love the fact that Bianca Bianca jetted out of that ring, made a beeline for the back because that was believable. It's like she wasn't sitting there and just watching the action on the Tron. She was reacting and she was going to get into the back and she was going to help Becky. I thought that was great. But then she gets into the back to, to help Becky and they put her in this scenario where she kind of acted like, what do I do now? What do I do now? She almost looked like a damsel in distress who didn't know what, to, like she knew what to do by running out of the ring, but she didn't know you know, what to do there. She, she actually looked like a woman who went to go help another woman. And then she seemed like a little girl in the back. Thankfully, later on she came in and she made the save when Bailey and the rest of her faction was in there. What I loved was that Bianca ran to the ring without a weapon, her fists. That's all you need is a good, you know, baby face. You know, Taz, one of the, one of the things that Taz used to say is my hands are my weapons and any great baby face knows that all they knew, need are their fists. So she lost me a little bit in the back, but definitely got me back with the run in later. What did you think about the match with Bianca and EO? And
4: um, I noticed something that I can't believe I never picked up on. And, and this tells you how, athletic and how good that um bianca is the majority of her move set she does she does it while holding her hair in her hand and she usually does it with her with her right hand i'm watching her hit the ropes and do like run up the ropes while she's holding her hair you know how hard that is to do or i've even noticed her grabbing the top rope when you're doing an up and over with her hair in her hand and sprinting in heels that's uh i i don't know what that's like gabby can you tell me uh, how uh, how hard that is to do
3: um some people can barely walk in heels, guys. She literally sprinted to the back. And I walked, and I go, "Holy crap, How do you do that? Like literally, some people can't walk in heels. They stumble, they fall. She beeline sprinted to the back. That, to me, was the most impressive thing of the night. I'm not gonna lie. Gabby, Just, can you sprint in heels? Can you sprint? Um, Sprint. I can sprint. I used to play sports. I know we make a joke about it, but yes. I wear wedges, which are like the thick heels. I know you guys don't know the differences between heels. Tommy knows what wedges. It's like I what eat eat them eat? all the time, like, like potato wedges. Not he knows cheese, exactly. Not what's a struggling. cheese wedge, not anything like that. Like an actual, like so. There's those wedge heels that are nice and thick. I can run in those because they're not terrible. But like those heels are you're elevated sprinting to the back in a nice outfit. And yes, she held her hair the entire time as well. It's pretty insane. Pretty well,
4: insane. Doing what we do while holding your hair. I even saw her. She does that, uh, handspring, uh, off the rope. She also does where she hits a move, moves forward and then does all while holding her hair, which is, uh, again, so impressive. Um, for the match, I enjoyed the match it set a nice tone i'm happy with the results in the sense of everyone went crazy and again listening to the crowd what did they start chanting let them go they wanted to see it and and i know we're we're all we're all greedy we're all guilty of this we want more but guess what when you're trying to write compelling television and it's my job as a writer to get you to tune in next week i have to do things like this because i have to Want you to continue to watch, as well as for next week, wherever Raw is, I need to sell tickets, put asses in seats for people to see this, and advertise matches. WWE doesn't have to rely on, you know, the they did for SummerSlam where they put all their eggs in one basket, and I feel it it, it delivered for them. But if I watch SummerSlam, we we all wanted to watch Raw, and we're all going to watch SmackDown. I want to see the next WWE pay per view. Because I thought they did an excellent job. If I'm coming from a Monday Night Raw and I'm trying to do, like I said, weekly box office attraction, I want to put like they did. Next week, I want to see Ciampa versus Lashley. If I want to see next week, hey, all, you know, we're going to have a six-women matchup. Uh, these people are going to fight these people. I want to see that. So I think they did a great job last night.
3: Thumbs up across the board from Tommy Dreamer. There you go. It seems like the the women impressed you last night.
1: Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. The producer is Gabby Laspisa. The associate producer is Andre Viola. Sound design by Neri Bailon. Special thanks the Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and Sirius XM Fight Nation Program Director, Mother Marissa Marissa Rivas. Sirius
2: XM Podcasts.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards.